Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Milwaukee. Start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. Hey, welcome to the Final Inspection Show. It is Steve Zaki, and of course, joining me in studio, it is the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Orlowski. Good to be back with you. Had it's a little good. vacation, so it's nice being back in the hot seat. It's good to have you here. Of course, uh, Final Inspection Show brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure you get to greatlakesdragway.com. 62 years going strong, thanks to all their loyal fans. And prepare for the 2018 season by going to their website and buying a season pass. Make sure you do that. And, of course, I'd like to thank David Hobbs Honda. Make sure you check out davidhobbshonda.com. Visit David Hobbs Honda for quality selection of vehicles, uncompromising customer service, professional maintenance, and repairs from a team you can trust. That's David Hobbs Honda. So, Jeff Orlowski. Yes. Texas. Texas. NASCAR. Texas NASCAR. We had cold weather. What's what's the coldest you've you've seen a race in? Ah, back in the uh, days when I was growing up and I, we used to go to Santa Fe Speedway a lot. Oh, outside of south side of Chicago. Yes. Yeah, that place was fantastic. There were a couple times there that uh Oh man, you know, it was, uh, it turned into a long night because it was freezing, but, uh, you know, I don't have any sympathy for them down in Texas. Let them, uh, enjoy some of the Wisconsin weather for a change. 48 degrees when the green flag flew down in Texas last week. Um, I remember a couple races, uh, the 1978 super America 150 in the first week in May, uh, that was the first ASA American Speed Association stock car race at the Milwaukee Mile, won by Bob Seneker, Mark Martin, a young 18-year-old Mark Martin on the pole. Nice. And um, that was cold. That was probably 55 degrees, heavy winter coat, uh, long underwear I think we had on. We were still cold, sitting in the south turn one bleachers. Uh, another one I remember, 1979 Rex Maze 150 in June. That was more damp. Okay. That was by 60 degrees, maybe, but it was damp. It was just one of those miserable where it wasn't raining, but it was moist. Just that, ugh. And then, uh, of course, the infamous 1992 Miller 200 uh, IndyCar race at Milwaukee. That wasn't damp, but that was just darn cold. That was, I don't think it got above 45 degrees. And it was interesting because that was the, also the race at the Indy 500 
the week before it was also cold so it was cold the whole week it got i remember we actually left indianapolis on that saturday and we were in shorts and t-shirts it was fantastic it was like 75 80 degrees we got in uh got in the minivan that we rented and uh all of us dummies went up I-65 and we stopped somewhere uh, north of Lafayette, got out at the way, at the at the wayside, whatever you call mm-hmm. them. The rest, rest, stop rest stop or whatever. And we're like, holy <laughs> cow, what the heck happened here? It was freezing. And it yeah, a cold front went through and it was downright miserable. It was just ah. Uh, and sure enough, the next race at the uh, the next week at Milwaukee, it was it was also cold. So, I uh, give those fans uh, credit for showing up. I mean, you know, sitting out there, you know, it, it's it's rough watching a race like that in in the weather. I guess you know, it's one thing when you're a dumb, you know, nineteen year old kid. You know, it, it, it's fun, but as you get older. <laughs> Yeah, as you get older, you know, the hotter the better, you know, you can you sweat out a lot of beer, but you know, it's a lot more comfortable being hot at a yeah. race than it is being cold. But uh Kyle Busch of course winning the race, not a surprise. He's been running pretty good, hasn't he lately? Yeah, he has and obviously he had a fantastic car. I still think the most dominant car was Kevin Harvick. Uh but he just had one thing go wrong after another on like five pit stops and you know some of it was pit guns again uh what about that lug nut that got you know caught yeah. in the jack right i'm actually i'm surprised that doesn't really happen more often yeah Those I things am too. are flying all over the place oh yeah. i know yeah. i know but uh you know harvick had the car to beat and uh but you know kyle bush had a fantastic car and and did deserved you, a win did you like the slow motion of the uh of the guns and the nuts coming off I did. the bolts and everything. I did. I thought that was a cool shot. I thought they did a good job of, uh, you know, of, of having that footage and yeah. slowing it down so you could see exactly what happened. I loved it. That was pretty cool. I must give them credit for that. You know, they'll they'll surprise you. But uh, yeah, I mean, <sighs> Cal Bush. All right, his wife, his wife in victory lane. Does she irritate you? Yes, but everything about Kyle Busch irritates me. So, you know, I'm completely biased. It's not an, uh, you know, I don't have an unbiased. She's the ultimate stereotypical race wife, race driver wife, isn't she? Oh, of course she is. She loves being a race driver's wife. Oh, yeah. She is, you know, what's your dream job? Who, me? You. Well, I would love to have a national uh, sports talk show. That would be your dream job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's what you when you were laying on your bed as a teenager. That's what you were thinking of. Well, no. When I was a teenager, you I wanted to be an astronaut or something. I wanted. No, I wanted to. You know, play in the NFL. I wanted. You know. Yeah. Everybody has that. Yeah. Yeah. All that's none of which is was ever attainable. See, even me, me and my buddy, we were like, yeah, we we want to play in the NFL, but we're like, we're realists. We're not gonna what. You know, maybe as a punter. <laughs> so we we wore out our leg for like two days, you know, punting uh-huh. because we we're going to be punters, and that then that faded away. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, she's since probably she was eight, ten years old, she wanted to be a race car driver's wife. Yeah, Mrs. Kurt Busch. What well, she fits perfect with him. Yeah, yeah. You know that. Did you see uh, one of my favorite memes ever about her? What? 
about her uh, aftermarket uh, alteration. <laughs> that is the all-time. That, that's top five material right there. Nice. I'm gonna have to look that up if right now. If you look that up, yeah. If you're if you're online, uh, Kurt Busch, uh, put uh, just enter in Kurt Busch playthings, uh, and you will find it on Google, and you will be uh, giggling all to yourself, and people will be looking at you. Uh, and we got Bristol this week. I know we're kind of pushing things up ahead here, but yeah, you Bristol, know, uh, getting back to our the show I did last weekend while you were traveling around the world, uh, <laughs> we were focusing on Alan Kowicki. And you know, for a good ten years, I hated this race. I I used to love Bristol too. I loved it. It was top three race. You know, I always loved Daytona. In February, because it's the first race, you know, and, and but Bristol, I always liked, especially I liked it because Allen won there twice. And then, but after April 1st, 1993, I hated that track because that's where he was going. Yeah. And I was like, I just, just if you didn't have to go there. But anyways, um, thanks again to Ryan Eversley, Russ Lake, and everybody that helped out uh, last week. It really was a. Uh, a really cool show, like I said, for me. It was it was kind of a uh, cleansing. It was a very cleansing show for me because for, for many, many years, I, I just didn't really talk much about Alan. I kind of kept all that stuff to myself. And, I, uh, you know, it was it was very, very, very difficult for me to uh, talk about it. And I was, kind of felt good last week doing that show. Kind of Fantastic figured, show. I after, learned a ton. After 25 years, you know, I figured it was time. So... And, and yeah, it's good to get that weight off your shoulders. And like I said, it was fantastic. I learned a lot about Alan Kowicki that I did not know, um, and about you know the different stock car series and stuff like that. Well, it was- and, and check out Dinner with Racers. Uh, there's the video that you can find on Racer, uh, featured videos that, that they did that kind of encapsulates the whole thing. But the podcasts are really neat because they're broken down in different areas, and there's a couple of cool things. There's there's actually some stuff on there I didn't even know about. Uh, one thing that I didn't know about was that, uh, and actually now that I think back though, I think I did mention here mention it, but it was backed up by Tom Roberts who was on there, and that they were Dallin was actually plane shopping. Nice. And and uh, you know he was thinking about getting a plane. And the other thing, they had a choice of two planes. They had the Fairchild, the prop plane that he was killed on, and a Learjet. Wow. And Alan, they were on a trip a couple weeks before, and they really liked the Lear for obvious reasons. It's a Learjet and of everything. Course. And, and he goes, wow, this really wouldn't be a bad place or a bad way to go. You mentioned the Tom. Wow. That's kind of – that puts a chill up your spine. Yes, it does. But make sure you uh, check out Dinner with Racers podcast. Uh, it's it's good if you're a fan of Alan Kowicki. It's, it's good cleansing for the soul. It, it – some of it's kind of hard to listen to, but it, it kind of really uh, brings the memories, some mem- bad memories, you know, back. But uh, then again, it, it, it's kind of cleansing, and it, it, it's it's good to know. It's history, and uh, we need to remember Alan Kowicki. I tell you what, we'll, let's talk Bristol in the le- next break, after this break here, and uh, we'll talk more about what's coming up. And we'll actually re- revisit a couple subjects uh, from Texas. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and David Hobbs Honda.
Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure to check out greatlakesdragway.com for your 2018 season passes. And also our friends at David Hobbs Honda. Make sure to check out the latest and new and used cars from David Hobbs Honda. And, of course, uh, last last week, Texas, uh, Kyle Busch, his first win of the season. And uh, Jamie McMurray, how about that, finishing third. Uh, we're, we're not super fans of, of Jamie McMurray, but we definitely think he's one of the most overlooked uh, drivers in the series. Every year, you know, he's he's like the, the silent assassin. Uh, you know, he makes the playoffs. He doesn't really always, you know, get out of the first or second round, but he's consistent, you know, 10 to 15 mm-hmm. Area week, uh, week in, week out, and every now and once in. in a while. And he, you know, he's runs, he'll surprise you. You know, could say he is running for Ganassi, he's not running for a Penske, a Hendrick, or Joe Gibbs, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's got talent, you can't deny it. And uh, he's not up front as much as he, you know, w- obviously wants to be, but uh, but yes, he's he's one heck of a driver. Of course, that was his best finish of the season. And then uh, the aforementioned Kevin Harvick was second. Eric Jones finishing fourth. And uh, Ryan Blaney finishing fifth. Ryan Blaney, who also won the Xfinity race uh, the previous day. Uh, so not a bad weekend for Ryan Blaney. He's actually been running quite well, hasn't he? For- yeah, he has. But I want to talk about Eric Jones. He led a bunch of laps at Texas. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, I think it's good for his confidence for him to get out front and lead some laps. Hopefully he can sit there and build on that and turn it into a week-in, week-out thing instead of a once-every-eight-races, you know, have a, have a really good run. Yeah, and he is in a new car this year, kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, not totally new car, but, you know, I mean, he's running in the former Matt Kenseth car, some new guys there, and it's going to take a while for the team to kind of gel. And Absolutely. I think if you're Joe Gibbs... You want to see some signs of improvement. That was definitely a sign from Eric Jones last week. Yeah, yeah, you're 100% correct. So hopefully this uh, this speeds up the uh, the gelling process with his team and he can keep it up. And Kyle Busch, who has run strong all year, of course, is leading the points, which don't really matter anymore. But for those interested, uh, Kyle Busch leads the point standings, followed by Joey Logano, which is kind of surprising. Uh, Ryan Blaney, who's, like I said, been running strong. Kevin Harvick, of course, who's been up front all year. And Martin Truex. Yeah, yeah, Truex, you know, he's kind of doing it quietly this year. Uh, You know, he got knocked out, had a a DNF at Texas. uh, But, you know, he's still going to be a force to be reckoned with come come playoff time, come into the season. (laughs) Don't, Don't overlook the 78. No, don't. And of course, the Xfinity race uh, was Ryan Blaney winning over Christopher Bell, and then followed by Daniel Hemrick, Cole Custer, and Ryan Priest. And uh, winning the ARCA race uh, last week it was Zane Smith. Speaking of ARCA, we're going to talk to Jim Tradle of the ARCA series coming up uh, in the next segment. So make sure you stick around for Jim Tradle, who you can see on Fox Sports 1, of course, was my boss at the Milwaukee Mouse. So I'm certainly looking forward to uh, chatting with Jim on that. We'll talk a little ARCA coming up here in the next segment. And, of course, this week we have Bristol. And uh, the Food City 500, 500 laps of fun. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah. And, of course, when you think of Bristol, one of the drivers you think of is DW. Yeah. He's more more than just an old uh, guy on Fox, you know. Between uh, 1981 and 1984, uh, he won seven races. Wow. That's pretty good. And uh, that streak was halted in August 1984 by another NASCAR Hall of Famer, Terry Labonte. And, of course, when you think of Terry Labonte, you don't necessarily think of him breaking Darrell Waltrip's streak, but you think of the two epic races and battles he had with Dale Earnhardt. Remember those? I do. I do. I was just trying to rattle his cage. (laughs) Terry was great, man. Terry was fantastic. And, of course, uh, so we're, we're coming to Bristol. They repaved it. They made two grooves. So it was easy to pass, and everybody hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. They give the fans what they wanted because for years you couldn't pass at Bristol. and it was, Unless you were banging. Yeah, and it was boring. And then they sit there and make two grooves. There's passing's a lot easier, and everybody hates it. I don't understand it. I will tell you now, my – what my wish for this weekend is, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about what a huge letdown Martinsville was and how there was no rivalries that came out. There was very little ill feelings except, you know, Harvick break checking Hamlin. So very little happened in that Monday Martinsville race. I want fireworks at Bristol, man. I wanted to set up. A good, like, six- to eight-week run where, you mm-hmm. know, oh, is payback coming this week? Is payback right. coming this week? That's what I'm looking forward to. Okay. And a driver, of course, has high hopes is a guy who won there, although it's been a few years, is Casey Kane. Now, <laughs> I see you guys laugh. And I said, of course, he left the five car, which is now the 24 car. But, you know, the 95 car, if you look – is making little baby steps and is getting better and better. However, so far this year, their best finish is 17th. So I'm thinking Casey Kane can better that. It wouldn't surprise me if he got a top 10 this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, he can get top 10. I don't think he's going to be competing for the win, but he can definitely possibly maybe but get a top 10. But who else could kind of say, oh, well, you did pretty well. Ricky Stenhouse maybe? Yeah, yeah, Stenhouse. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, William Byron, he, I think, finished 10th uh, at Texas. I wouldn't be surprised really? if uh, if he has another good run. Kyle Larson? Well, f- of course. I think, and Kyle Bush, of course. Well, yeah, the Bush, both the Bush brothers. Um, you know, I th- Harvick will be up there. I think, you know, Truex will be up there. You know, a, a lot of the same cast of characters. I mean, I'm more interested in... You know, how's Bubba Wallace going to do? You know, how's uh, Eric Jones? Can he follow up his good finish last week with another nice run? And he's had good runs at Bristol. Yeah, he has. He has. So I I think it'll be a fun race. I think, you know, I hope that, like I said, we get some rivalries. We get some hot-blooded action going on. Uh, But I I think, I hope that we get as much as the racing, I think, is going to be real fantastic in the middle of the pack. Hopefully, we get that same intensity at the front of the pack. All right. And, of course, you got the Xfinity Series racing now, Saturday. Yep. And uh, But don't switch over. <laughs> and uh, so, I, I don't know. Should we do picks now? Sure. Who's your pick? For, I'm let's just do a cup. I'm taking in, I'm taking bad Brad, man. He's had some bad luck. Okay, that's a good and pick. I think that, you know, he'll throw anybody in the wall to get this monkey off his back. You know, he's 
he's due for a good a good day. Right. And I think if he's not having a good day, he's going to make it a good day. I'll go with Kyle Larson. All right, because it's about time. It is. It is. That's a good pick. That's you, a good pick. You are listening to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure to check out GreatLakesDragway.com. Get your season pass for the 2018 season. And, of course, David Hobbs Honda. Make sure you check out for all the finest in new and used cars at David Hobbs. And they have an award-winning service. A dealer for the people. A dealer for the people. Coming up next, it is Jim Trado from Fox Sports 1. Man of, he's been everywhere. Phoenix, Daytona. He's the everywhere man. I'm looking forward to this. So coming up next, Jim Trado on the Final Inspection Show. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Jim Trado. Jim Trado, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you having on. Our, our history goes back a few years, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I've known you for quite a while. As the and, and most recently we worked together as you were the official historian of the Milwaukee Mile back in the day. And I certainly appreciate that. And that was a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll, we can get the band back together, as they say. Let's try. <laughs> Never stop saying try. And you know, I get some people come up to me, hey, what's what's Jim doing? Uh, and you've been keeping pretty busy. You actually get to travel, uh, not the complete series, but you're doing uh, uh, traveling to most of the NASCAR uh, Monster Cup races, aren't you? You know, I've had the good fortune of, of doing a lot of things while being uh, working in Milwaukee full-time, getting to travel. Um, my current role for the sixth year now is going to a lot of the NASCAR Cup tracks. So, for example, at Phoenix International Raceway, now ISM Raceway, I am the at-track screen host. So you see me on the Jumbotron, you hear me on the PA. I get fans riled up. I interview drivers on, on the grid, that kind of thing. Uh, I really enjoyed that part of it, as well as some public address at Daytona and Michigan uh, on their big weekends, including the Rolex 24 and the Daytona 500. That's pretty neat stuff. I, I, I had the opportunity for the first time to do PA. I did some PA at Milwaukee, but I actually got to do it at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and it's it it it's was a lot of fun. But I tell you what, it's a lot of it's a lot of work too. And and guys like like you and Dean Strom and those guys don't realize how how tough it is, especially to when you when you're working the complete day. Oh yeah, oh, and you've got to have something to say, right? Mm-hmm. And you being at that big stage of Indy and me being at the big stage of Daytona for a number of years, there's a certain, I, th- I feel pressure, self-pressure and, and reverence to the place and what you should be saying because you're at Indy, you're at Daytona, you know. takes on a, a little different meaning for me anyway. And there there are some tricks of the trade, like it, you know, sports radio, whenever there's a long conversation, you just come up, hey, should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> when you're at Indianapolis or something, you can just, if Bobby Unzer's around, you just have Bobby Unzer on and just ask him a couple questions, and there there's a go, there goes an hour. <laughs> For sure. So, uh, and other and, and another series you've been working with for quite a few years now, and it's one that's always kind of dear to my 
my heart because I've always liked uh, this series for Stock Car Race, and that is the ARCA series. And you've been doing t TV uh, through the ARCA series for a few years now, and, and we're getting to see more of it, which I think is great on, on uh, Fox Sports 1 and also MAV TV. Yeah, I get, the, I get the real good fortune of being on pit road for the Fox Sports races this season. I've been in the booth for a few, but more often on pit road. And uh, that, that includes eight races this year, starting in Daytona a month ago, two months ago, whatever it is now. And the remaining Fox races don't be on pit road. But I also was asked by MAV TV, who has picked up the other 12 of the 20 races on Arca's schedule. They're televising those live, and I'm in the booth for all 12 of those. And, of course, a lot of changes in the last couple of years with the ARCA series, especially with the carbon fiber bodies and, and of course, with the uh, the crate engines. Tell the fans how that's kind of changed the, the the way the uh, team can go ARCA racing. Well, the, um, the good fortune is Wisconsin is well represented because five-star stock car bodies in Twin Lakes makes the composite bodies. It's a 12-panel body that the teams must assemble, so the, uh, the entire – Area above the door line would be to call the greenhouse. That's one piece of the roof and the and the, uh, the windows that we put in. And then there are other panels. So if you hit a door, you can take the door off and put the you know replace the door, not replace the whole side of tin. So teams are saving bunches of money in body mounting and sending it to the body guy for any little ding and dent. Matter of fact, uh, when they first introduced this composite body to Arca in 2015, there was a test at Michigan and Kevin Sawinski a Wisconsin three-time ASA champion, um, knew the composite body from the ASA stock car series days, and his driver hit the wall hard enough to knock the rear end over, and the front bumper got caved in. What Kevin did to fix it, he got out a hair dryer and a hammer and popped <laughs> that baby back out. So there are tricks of the trade still in use, um, but those body panels now are being adapted and brought into the Xfinity series. NASCAR Xfinity series has them at all the races except for the big super speedways, the plate tracks. So those are uh, certainly something coming to fore, and uh, you know, before you know it, every series will be racing these composite bodies, which saves the guys tons of money. I talked to a five-star representative last week in Nashville. He said Richard Childress Racing will save $2 million, they figured, between all of the cars and all of the fixing they have to do over the course of you know, this season and next season when these composite bodies are being brought in fully into just the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and he'll save even more when they get the cup. Wow. And, of course, so that, body, that body saves a ton of money. You mentioned mm -hmm. the engine. I must answer your question fully. That's what I do. Uh, <laughs> the Arca Ilmore 396 is a 396-cubic-inch engine, punching out about 700 horsepower, and that engine was designed to last, and it has a really good torque curve, and it has about the same output of horsepower as a built motor. Built motors go for anywhere from $35,000 and $50,000, $60,000 if you go to Daytona with a car, uh, engine that needs a restrictor plate. Well, they still choke the motors at the big tracks, but these Arca Ilmore 396 engines are guaranteed for 1,200 miles, should be rebuilt every 1,500 miles. They go for about thirty-five grand each, but you own the motor. And in just having three motors for the year, these teams are now spending 40 times 320000 for motors, where in the past they would spend double or triple that based mm -hmm. on their engine leases with the engine builders that provided engines for the truck and the Xfinity series. So huge cost savings there, and they own the engines themselves as well. And it's it still remains a, a way for young drivers to get experience. I think a good uh, a good example of that, of course, is, and we know, the, of course, many of the Wisconsin fans know the family from Eagle River. That's the Decker fan family and, and Natalie Decker. Uh, and how is she doing so far this year? 
Natalie Decker is racing full-time this year. She's 20 years of age. Toyota has a real keen eye on what she's doing. She ran, I think, seven races last year for Venturini Motorsports. She was from Chicago. She has raced two races this year. Uh, she has won the pole at Daytona and finished fifth with a left front fender damage, which I thought was very improbable. She would actually finish on lead lap because it was a big parachute. So she had a top five at Daytona. Then to the short track at Nashville Fairgrounds last weekend, and she uh, got the lucky dog at one point in the race and finished on the lead lap at 11th. So I'd say she did a really, really solid job for her first real run, running for points, running for the championship um, at Nashville this past weekend. So she did really well. And is it is it still a decent way for young drivers to come up through the series? I mean, it, it, it's great because you get uh, some road course experience. You get, of course, the short tracks, which is very important, and big tracks, but also dirt tracks, too. Yeah, the Arca Racing Series presented by Menards has been around for 65 years. They will always race the two one-mile dirt tracks in Illinois, the Illinois State Fair in Springfield, Illinois, in late August, and the DuCoin, Illinois State Fair near St. Louis on Labor Day weekend. Those are 100-mile races on the dirt tracks, which brings us back to the fairgrounds and how racing really became a national sport because during the fair, that's when auto racing happened at the, at the horse tracks. So that's still a very much a staple. But you see young guys like Justin Haley, who now races in the truck series, winning at the dirt track at last, just last year. Never been on a dirt track before and won. I mean, it's two years ago, I think it was. But you've got young drivers coming into the series that are racing heavy cars, radial tires, live pit stops, longer races, and they can race as young as 17 on Kentucky Speedway, Pocono Raceway, Gateway International. And on the short tracks, there's a Sioux Chief Short Track Challenge. That is an 11-race uh, series within the series where anyone age 15 and older can race and ultimately compete on all 11 of those racetracks or all those 11 of those races. Uh, Salem, Indiana is the next race on the schedule. We might see another 15-year-old win the pole like we did at Nashville, this kid named Chandler Smith winning the pole in his first ARCA race. So there's a lot of youth involved. Toyota's brought their development drivers to the ARCA Racing Series. Um, it's, a great, it's a great series for these kids to learn. And there's a lot of veteran NASCAR crew chiefs, team owners, getting involved in the ARCA Racing Series, but they see the value in getting things right for these kids going forward, whether it be for Joe Gibbs Racing, Toyota, Ford, what have you. Well, one thing I like uh, when you're watching, when I'm especially watching you in the pits at, at an ARCA race, is you you know the history of a lot of these guys who are working some of these teams, and and you know like Bill Bill Venturini who used to run at Milwaukee in the old USAC series uh, back in the early '80s, and even guys like like Paul Andrews and Larry Moore who in the past has worked in the in the in the ARCA series. Who who are some of the names bouncing around in in, in the garages at an ARCA? Uh, race that some of the fans might recognize. Well, you mentioned Paul Andrews. He was Alan Kowicki's championship-winning crew chief in 1992 in the NASCAR Cup Series. Paul has undertaken the role as a general manager for Cunningham Motorsports, and they won the championship two years ago with Chase Briscoe, now a teammate of Ty Majeski's, racing under the Ford banner in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. That team is still there. One of the, one of the team uh, full-time guys in the shop actually put a deal together to buy that Cunningham Motorsports team and keep Paul Andrews involved as a crew chief for now Chad Bryant racing. So Paul is very much a part of what's going on there. you got Ken Schrader involved. He won the championship last year as a team owner. His crew chief, Donnie Richardson, has been around since the 1970s. Um, at one point he was a crew chief for his brother-in-law, Brett Bodine, in the Cup Series. 
So there's a lot of history there. Uh, the biggest change and challenge really for any team is the MDM Motorsports team. They have been kind of out of the earth like a phoenix rising. They now have Mark McFarland, Shane Huffman, Marty Lindley, Jeff Stankowitz. They've got guys that have had real, a Cully Barclaw. They have been involved in every level of NASCAR National Series, whether it be curve chiefing or tire changing or overseeing an operation. That's all one team. And they have three full-time teams in the ARCA Racing Series. And Harrison Burton, Jeff Burton's son, is racing most of the races as a fourth team for MDM. So they really come on and raise the game for a lot of teams because of their preparation and their ability and their you know, really, really good stuff. And uh, last weekend we were focusing on Al Kowicki, and I was mentioning before it was kind of a cleansing of the soul for me because, uh, you know, that affected me a lot lot more than than people may realize who knew me, and I never really talked about it. And uh, after 25 years, uh, seeing some of the things that came forward in the last few weeks kind of said, hey, I I, I think I need to talk about this and one of the things i played uh yesterday i had taped the the alan kawicki at greenfield high school and that tape sat in my basement for years and years and years and i i finally got transferred the tape to digital last week i actually played a, a portion of it on the show and who's interviewing alan kawicki but a young jim Trado? you know t- it, uh, that was a great day that was uh it january really was. 24th 1993 he was talked into coming back home after he won his championship. He was fearful that no one would show up because he spent so much time away from Wisconsin. He even asked my friend and his good buddy, Terry Jeffords, would anybody show up? Well, we have more than 12 people show up at that high school. And Terry assured him, yes, they'll be there. The night prior, he was invited to the Milwaukee Bucks game. And at the time, Jack Gallo was the PA guy that Eric Jensen now does at the, track, or the court side for the Bucks. And they invited Allen to the game. And they introduced Alan, not at halftime, but two minutes to go in the first half. Alan walked out in this satin green jacket that said Bucks across the front. And he was introduced. Jack Gallo actually called me prior to that and said, how do I introduce this guy? Terry said, you should tell me, and I can just sit in the PA. So I bought nosebleed tickets. A couple of my buddies went to the game. And uh, Alan was introduced, and the place went nuts. And as he walked up the aisle, it was like he's running for office. Everyone wanted a piece of him. They wanted to, wow. talk, to him. They wanted to talk to him. And uh, I think that helped set the tone for was the next day, thousands of people showing up, not just 12, you know, or in the thousands. Mm-hmm. And Alan's flight kept getting pushed back because he's like, I'll be there for a couple hours. The organizers thought, hey, we've got this pennant string we'll put out for like 45 feet. People just get in line after we do our little stage presentation. And all the while, I'm like, um, guys, you need a longer line. You need to make sure every gate across the door or the, in the hallways of this high school are open. You need to have your air conditioning on. You need to have your heat on. Whatever the temperature is, it's going to be a big deal. And it sure was. Yeah, it certainly was. I'll never forget that day. And, you know, when you're running around the, the cup garages in, in that today, how much does his uh, name come up? Alan has uh, the crew guys that he worked with, and albeit 17 of them helped him win the championship versus teams that had 50, 60, 70 guys. Now we're talking about 500 employees at Hendrick Motorsports for four teams. Those guys are still around. Uh, Shane Parsno was a tire changer and worked in the engine shop. He still works at Hendrick in the engine department. He, used, he changed tires for Jeff Gordon subsequently after Allen. You've got Peter Jellin, the, the uh, truck driver, mm-hmm. the transport driver that was with Allen through his entire cup career. He is now working with uh, Toyota Racing Development. He was an engine guy, 
and he's been working with, a, I think, an Xfinity team now, or a truck team. He's still around. We mentioned Paul Andrews, very active, and uh, just a couple years ago was working as an Xfinity crew chief as well as running the show at the ARCA Racing uh, two-car team of Cunningham Motorsports, so Paul's still way involved. Um, Danny Glad was the head engine builder. He had fielded an ARCA car with Bo Lamastis driving it last year. I haven't seen them at the track yet this year. He's very much involved in road racing in his home state of Virginia. Um, there's quite a few guys that are still around. Tony Gibson being probably the most notable mm-hmm. crew chiefing for Kurt Busch last year, winning the Daytona 500, um, and being a longtime crew member. So those, there's some, some core guys there yet. Tom Roberts, the PR guy, I don't see him at the cup tracks anymore, but up until I think three years ago, he was very active working with uh, Miller Brewing Company and Team Penske. So uh, there's still some guys there. Now, in terms of Allen's name, it's great to see at Darlington, Tommy, Tommy Baldwin had the number seven car the last two years in Kowicki colors. And we had the Quincy's paint job on Michael McDowell's car, his throwback scheme at Darlington for uh, Levine Family Racing last year. So there's some really cool ties back to that. The biggest thing that still is a buzz has been the now fourth year of the Kowicki Driver Development Program that Tom Roberts oversees mm-hmm. and getting seven drivers involved in a program where they earn money and, and Alan's name spread the word and spread the love. So I get questions about the Kowicki Driver Development Program myself more than I do about how Alan did things 25 years ago when I'm in the cup garage. Well, it's certainly good to hear uh, those guys are around. And, and like I said, I had Ryan Eversley on, and I thought he did a great job interviewing guys like Peter John and those guys, really, and Tom Roberts, and really, really bringing back uh, the memories of Alan and what he was able to do. And, and when you think back, uh, you know, it was extraordinary what he was able to accomplish. But then when you know the man and understand him, you can see how it happened, though, can't we? Oh, yeah. It was unbelievable. Uh, no one believed it, except I did come across a friend that I introduced to Ryan and his co-host, Sean Heckman. When they came to Milwaukee, they spent three and a half days here talking to people. They had a list of people they wanted to talk to. They had a list of tracks they wanted to go see. I was on their list, and I, as I, they asked me, hey, would you be around if we have a chance to do lunch or dinner with you because it's dinner with racers? I said, whatever you need, and you need names. You need photos. You need stuff. I can help you. Um, they're like, well, we want to get in the Milwaukee Mile. I said, I can help you do that. It might take me a little while, but when do you want to go? Well, we want to be there tomorrow morning about 8 o'clock. You know, that happens. Mm-hmm. It's going to be where they wanted to get as much as they could in. And the first thing I asked him, I said, why are you guys doing this? He said, we are both huge Alan Quickie fans. So they wanted to make sure it was done right. And they had their notes. The people they told me they were interviewing prior to even talking to me about who else they might want to get was very impressive, and it's a very, very solid tribute knowing the anniversary of his death, knowing how they went about it. I'm, I'm super stoked that I got to be a little bit, uh, a little part of it, walking down the front stretch of the Milwaukee Mile, you, what you see on their video portion, mm-hmm. and I think I'm in the first step, first of their four podcasts, but just the whole idea of giving the awareness for what Alan did and letting people realize, you know, this, this is, what, three generations removed now. Kids that are 15 that knew about him because he won a championship, you know? They don't know who he is. So it's, I think it's a great, great thing they've done, and this will certainly help uh, Kowicki get in the NASCAR Hall of Fame this year. That's I hope so. They asked me, what would you want to see out of this, Jim? I said, we need to get Allen in the Hall of Fame. Yep. And don't forget, uh, follow the hashtag uh, AK4HLF, uh, and uh, make sure you check out all the tweets and that, and people endorsing that. It's pretty impressive. And speaking of impressive, Jim, 
we certainly appreciate the time you spent with us and uh, look forward to uh, hearing you and seeing you uh, throughout the year in racing. Sounds good. We'll see you at the track soon. Thanks, guys. All right. It's Jim Tradle, Fox Sports 1, Mav TV, and uh, we certainly appreciate him spending time on the final inspection show brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove and David Hobbs Honda. A lot of fun talking to Jim Tradle in the previous segment. Uh, I think that was actually the first time I've had him on. Long overdue. Yeah, he was fantastic. He is. He's so smooth. Yeah, he is. You can tell that uh, that he works in TV, like well, butter. And radio and everything else. He's been doing this for a long, long time. Yeah, well, I didn't want to he's, suck up to him as much he as He started you when he was, I think, 22. <laughs> wow. And we're the same age. Wow. Yeah. So he got a young start. He got a big head start over me. Well, so what? But even 10, if he didn't, he'd still be better than me. I hate to say it, but <laughs> that's all right. Anyways, uh, we had some penalties again. And uh, we had Chase Elliott having some issues. Uh, what would happen to Chase Elliott, Jeff? Yeah, he loses his crew chief, uh, Alan Gustafson, for two weeks, loses 20 points. He it seems had... like this is happening every week. Of course it is. Uh, I mean, is, it, is it too much? I mean, is it – I mean – I hear this stuff. I get all the. I get all these emails and and updates from NASCAR and the teams and everything, and I just look at him like, yeah, okay, again. Yeah, you know, it, he basically it's, got busted for the same thing Harvick got busted for with the cucumbered win where the the mm-hmm. rear window wasn't rigid, uh, and all that, and now he's got to face the music. It's kind of surprising, uh, you know they. His car finished eleventh. So in he was days in the old days, and I know. Oh yeah, there he goes again talking about it's not nineteen seventy four anymore. But I mean, if a car was illegal, I mean, really illegal, uh, not necessarily NASCAR though. But I mean, another another sanctioning bodies, whatever it was, they would be disqualified. Yeah, out. You're, you know, especially short tracks. If the car is was deemed to be an un, uh, a competitive advantage. They would be docked the win. Now, the biggest, and and see, this is, people remember this because it was a big deal. 1983, Richard Petty won the National 500 at Charlotte. It was his win number 199. He had an illegal motor. It was illegal. It This thing was a big Big motor, oversized, it was illegal. Everything about it was illegal, and a lot of the people in the pit area were pissed that he they let him keep the win. Now there's two now now and I and I kind of agree with this to a point. They uh Bill France, Big Bill, did not want you to go to the race and see Jeff Orlowski in Victory Lane. Yay, you know. And here's Jeff Jr. and everybody. Yay, okay. Uh, and then go home. They didn't want to see then the, the the old man pick up the newspaper either sad or Sunday morning or Monday morning and see, oh, Tiny Lund won the race, not Jeff Orlowski or whoever it was. Right. He wanted the winner to win the race. Whoever they saw in victory lane, he wanted to keep the race, even though it didn't happen in uh, 
1959 Daytona 500, which was by Johnny Bochamp, but they actually gave it to Lee Petty. But anyways, the, he wanted to keep the winner. So what they started to do was penalizing them, points or money. Now, I kind of understand it, but there comes to a point where, okay, is it is it is it possibly these they're they're cutting the stuff too thin? Yeah, they are. And write this uh, date and time down because I'm actually going to agree with Kyle Bush here. What he says that the rule book is so thick and there's so many spec aspects coming to our racing to make everything equal and make sure we have parity between the top and the bottom. He says, I haven't seen much difference between the top and the bottom over the course of the last 10, 15, or even 40 years. He says a lot more, and then he says that um, uh, he adds that stop this spec game of continuing to go in that direction. I think it's making it worse for all of us and not making it much fun either. And as shocking as it sounds, I agree 100%. I Yeah, it really does. I mean, it's... Are they cutting things too? I mean, it's you shouldn't be watching the NASCAR on uh, the the little NASCAR show on uh, NBC, you know, the NBC Sports Network mm-hmm. or FS1, where okay, this is who won the race, blah 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 blah. Okay, now for the last ten minutes, let's talk about who got penalized, which which uh, chief mechanic is out, who you know, who's and all this crap. Yeah, when, fans don't want. Don't fans don't care about that. When the Packers are done playing at three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, you know where they stand in the standings. With NASCAR, the race ends on Saturday or Sunday, and then you have to wait until Wednesday late afternoon. Some guys they drop three, four, five positions, mm-hmm. so you have no idea, and it just makes it more confusing. And in the long run, it makes it more expensive for these teams that they keep claiming that they're trying to save money on. And we talked a couple weeks ago. They take, you know, usually the top three cars back to R&D every week, rip them completely apart, searching for violations, searching to get these guys in trouble. It boggles my mind. It used to be in the old days they would do that to find, like, uh, remember Godzilla, that Jeff Gordon car they you brought to the Winston Open at that time, what, 94, whatever it was? Yeah. It was a completely illegal car. NASCAR said, wow, that thing's pretty trick. Don't bring <laughs> it back ever again. Jeff, you did a nice job encapsulating that. So uh, let's 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 end the segment there. Uh, and when we come back, we'll talk with Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. We'll kind of look at the open wheel scene, what's happening. A lot of stuff happened out in Long Beach. They got like about five or six series running out in Long Beach. And uh, we'll talk a little F1, two coming up in the next half hour. And then also, don't forget, we got Dennis Michelson, Lori Monroe from Race Talk Radio. We'll talk a little more NASCAR coming up in the second hour, too, on the Final Inspection Show brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.